When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, when I first read it, I thought that Sam was killing me. I thought that I was going to get too. killed. I did too. I did too. When you take off the seatbelt, I was like, no. And the hanging out the window actually was just me hanging out the window. It was kind of just random and and very just on the, in the moment. But then it turned into this weirdly sensual, dangerous mm-hmm. connection between these two characters. And it became what it became. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new season of The Awardist, where we are breaking down the state of the awards race and chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year. I am Entertainment Weekly Senior Awards Editor Jared Hall, and it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the 2022 Emmy season. And joining me to help kick things off are two people who I talk about TV a lot with on a daily basis, EW Executive Editor Patrick Gomez and TV Editor Ashley Boucher. Hello to you both. Hello. Happy to be here. Yeah. Is that your NPR voice, Patrick? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's my SNL. It's my SNL skit voice, apparently. No. Uh, Yeah. Are you the Anna Gastar in that case? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Well, really, it's so nice to have both of you here, and we're really excited to get into uh, Emmy season because... I mean, what, there are like 1,241 shows that we can talk about, um, but we're going to boil it down to uh, a few and and really get into uh, the meat of things here. Of course, we just wrapped up Oscar season. The Grammys are one for the history books. And now we turn our full attention to the small screen. And our guest on this very first episode has really been turning heads uh, over the past uh, you know, few years, especially with her roles and her performances over the past several months on The White Lotus and more notably on Euphoria, where she plays Cassie. It is the incredibly talented and smart Sydney Sweeney. And of course, we can throw in Beautiful in there and she takes the most amazing photos and she's like a fashionista right now. Lots of titles we could say there, but uh, specifically related to her acting, she is expanding beyond. In front of the screen, she's also working behind Behind the screen, started her own production company and is producing projects now at just 24 years old, by the way. Um, so I really can't wait for all of you to hear that conversation. But first to you, Patrick and Ashley, I want to kick us off with a topic and a very specific category that I suspect all of you who are listening are going to hear us come back to pretty frequently this season on The Awardist. That would be limited or anthology series because... Let me just run through the list here really quickly for you. And this is not even a full list. This is just a meaty sampling, we'll call it. Made, Pam and Tommy, Gaslit, The First Lady, The Dropout, We Crashed, A Very British Scandal, Anatomy of a Scandal, The Thing About Pam, The Landscapers, The Women of the Movement, Impeachment, American Crime Story, Joe versus Carol, 1883, The Girl from Plainville, Under the Banner of Heaven, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. I mean... The my eyes got tired just hearing you list all those out. I know it's kind of wild. Watching it's kind of wild. So my question to you two is: Do you feel like there are any 
early favorites there, one that you think could go the distance. What I think is really interesting is that there's lots of fantastic series that you just listed, but a lot of them had fantastic performances mm-hmm. that I wasn't positive were amazing <laughs> series as a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've read our critic Kristen Baldwin's review of The First Lady, mm-hmm. it's fantastic performances from really fantastic actresses, Viola Davis, Gillian Anderson, Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, and there's a deep bench. Those are just mm-hmm. three leading ladies. There's, yeah. It's a deep bench of fantastic talent on that show. And all the performances are great, but as a show, it time jumps between all three of their stories. Mm-hmm. It's, a, you know, it, it could have been a little more cohesive. I think, you know, you look at the dropout similarly, like yeah. great performances, but did it work as a whole, as a series? So, so mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Academy voters decide to look at a series and are they going to go by these like powerhouse performances and just mm-hmm. nominate the series anyway? Or are they really going to look? Because I think there's a reality in which we could see very different series listed as best series, sorry, best limited series and all the acting categories could be Don't filled match. with could be filled with people <laughs> yeah. from completely different shows. It'll be really yeah. interesting. What do you think, Ashley? I totally agree with that. And I also think that there are just so many transformations in this category. Yeah. We have Lily James and Pam and Tommy, Elle Fanning and the girl from Plainville. Like there's so many. Renee Zellweger. Yes, the Renee thing about Pam. Thing yeah. about Pam. So I think it'll be really interesting, as you're saying, Patrick, to see which performances get picked out to highlight. And then if those match the limited series or anthology category as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's certainly something interesting to look at there. Of course, Pam and Tommy, I mean, made such a splash when it aired. And so I feel like that might work to its advantage, uh, especially like I think the performances will continue to propel that one. Gaslit, I think, is an interesting one to watch because, again, amazing talent, Sean Penn, Julia Roberts. It's on Stars, though. Sorry, Stars, no disrespect to you. It's a little tougher, though, for some of those premium cable channels, I mean, unless you're HBO, to, you know, really get some, you know, good footing and, and go somewhere. But I though think I could that see, talent could push it. I could see knowing that they send screeners out, yeah. knowing that they make the screenings available. I could see Julia Roberts and Sean Penn doing an FYC event and like half the academy wanting to show up right um to just be hang out with them Mm -hmm. and so you know that could help because like they might not actually watch it on stars and so they but they might get enough people that would watch the screeners or come Mm -hmm. to events that they might be able to make it through because yes there's tons of great content on stars but it's like it's like when stuff premiered on spectrum you know it's just like not everyone has it like i've i've never had stars Mm -hmm. at home and i watch tv for a living um (laughs) so i have to watch screeners if i'm gonna watch any of it they have great stuff there yeah really great stuff i mean it makes sense that it's there we promise stars didn't pay for this segment (laughs) no no not at all though i i did hear a little bird has told me that it seems like julia roberts may not actually do any fyc stuff this year i don't know i think that's maybe to be determined maybe that's just a phase one thing and she'll do some more stuff later. But um, I think that's interesting because, of course, when you're out doing FYC stuff, it's it's not always just about you. It's also, you know, pushing the show and helping all the people behind the scenes get recognition, too. So we'll see where that goes. In terms of we talked about some of the actors, um, I really want to point out that a lot of these limited series, they are led by one. They're led by women and two. A lot of them are true crime. So let me take you through some of uh, this quick list of, of women here leading these series. Margaret Qualley, Lily James, Julia Roberts. Viola Davis, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jillian Anderson. We've talked about uh, some of those already. Amanda Seyfried, Anne Hathaway, Michelle Dockery and Sienna Miller, Renee Zellweger, Sarah Paulson and Beanie Feldstein, Elle Fanning. Uh, I know there are more that I'm missing, but that list alone, 
I don't even know how you sort through that if you're an Academy member. We will, of course, try to help guide them <laughs> here on this podcast uh, as the season goes on. But same question. Any uh, any like real standouts uh, for you? In terms of performances, there. I mean, I, I was, I know um, there was a few in the office that enjoyed Pam and Tommy as much as I did, but mm-hmm. uh, there was also people that really didn't yeah. enjoy it. And so, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see where that show lands because mm-hmm. I do agree with what you said earlier that it like came in with a splash and Lily just dissolves yes. into being Pam Anderson mm-hmm. and and I think in similar and to, it's not a caricature. It's no. not a it's really stunning how great she is yeah i mean i i have had conversations with people that know her and they were like if you close your eyes like you think it's she has the voice down Mm -hmm. she has a lot of the physicality down um that's another one where i feel like you can argue whether or not the show itself was great i actually really enjoyed it yeah um but no no one is disagreeing that lily is is Mm -hmm. Uh, anything but fantastic. Yeah. Um. I also think Anne Hathaway is so so strong in mm-hmm. We Crashed. If that is a series that you tuned into the first episode and were like, eh, I could give it or <laughs> take it or leave it. Yep. Go and watch Keep more going. of it because yep. it becomes more and more of her story. And it, as it does that, it just gets better and better and better. They're both. I actually think they're both. I love watching him chew up that scenery. Mm-hmm. They both are. Yeah. Um. But as long as you're down for the ride of like it's campy, it's over the top. But they were campy and over the top. Right. Like if you go watch real videos of these people they are not being a caricature they are doing it I think it's the same thing if you look at John Cameron Mitchell in Joe versus Carol playing the Tiger King himself we all saw that docuseries and so we can look and say oh he's so (laughs) you can say he's so over the top but then you're like no he actually is a little subdued compared to the real guy like it's a similar thing there Mm -hmm. I'd agree Ashley who stands out to you I think Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout like she doesn't look exactly like Elizabeth Holmes but she really gets the voice down, like that mm-hmm. low voice that Elizabeth Holmes created for herself. Yep. I think Amanda does a great job. And I think that there's a lot to that story. Like we've heard podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. We've seen documentaries about it. We saw it play out in the news. But I think that there were parts of the story that I didn't even really know about. And so yep. that's been really interesting to me mm-hmm. to watch. Um, and I have to just also reiterate Lily James and Pam and Tommy. I think she's one of my favorite performances Mm -hmm. out of this category. Yeah. And, you know, Margaret Qualley also gave such a strong performance in Made. I mean, that that series really kind of started and began with her and she, uh, fairly relative unknown. I mean, of course, she's been in other things, but to hold that series, she did a great job. And by the way, my apologies, I completely forgot to mention Inventing Anna and Julia Garner. Another one. comment? Is that what the voice reminded me? I thought of her too. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, of course, you know, jokes have been made about it on social media and everyone is, you know, playing the, I don't have time for you, you know, that. But I mean, it it just really goes to show, though, Julia put a lot of work and thought into that performance and she very much and is again, a standout. It's one of those things where like, yes, it's over the top, but go look at the real person right? and you're like, oh, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, I have to give a lot of credit too to Renee Zellweger acting through all of those prosthetics uh, as Pam Hupp on the thing about Pam. Although, again, can we talk about the prosthetics? Because... Like, it's it's a thing. I it's mean, a thing. Sean Penn is in them and Gaslit. Uh, Sarah Paulson. So, yes. yeah. It's like, can we just like, I get that everyone should be able to play, you know, people of unlike body yourself. types. And yeah. Unlike yourself. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to just play yourself. But I mean, let's not start playing trees, uh, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> but um but why are we not just casting people like like if you're gonna if you're gonna hire a famous face and name, why mm-hmm. are you burying them under all right. these prosthetics? 
just hire someone that could do the job just as fantastically. Mm-hmm. And yes, I understand wanting a name, but do a project then that they're the right physical type for. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just, you know, there's plenty of actresses and actors who are all sorts of body sizes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's give them some roles, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Could not agree more. And by the way, I've also heard some people talk about um, how much Renee. Uh, well, I should say how much Pam Hupp annoys them on that show. And they're like, I couldn't keep watching. And I'm like, but that's the point. That's like keep watching for that exact purpose. That story also just uh, so kind of wild because of the, you know, injustice in the criminal uh, justice system that we see play out there. Dope Sick is another one where we see injustices oh, play out. There's just so many. It's like I, this right? category. Oh, my God. Yeah. They yeah. need like their own Emmys just for limited series yes. now. Yeah. Like, is it true crime? Is it drama? Right? Yeah. Is it is it an adaptation? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, my God. Some really great performances in that one, too. Dope Sick. Uh, Michael Keaton, of course, uh, won the SAG Award Can in I a just very dramatic the- fashion. <laughs> Oh, very dramatic. <laughs> um, can I just say, though, that the fact that you were listing made and impeachment and all these things. And I was like, wasn't that last season? Like, right. Literally in my head, I was like, no, 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 Jared, like take that. You have to take that back because yep. those aren't. And I was like, nope. Yep. That's this season. It, it, like, what is time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And by the way, that's not to even mention. I mean, we have, you know, uh, Disney stuff in here that I, I didn't even get to. Uh, there's Moon Knight and Hawkeye, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Pachinko. There's a little bit of a question right now if that'll be limited series or if they're going to continue you on and that'll be um, drama but uh, you mentioned our critic Kristen Baldwin she already is proclaiming it so far the best series of 2022 so that's one to keep an eye on as well speaking of what might be in the best drama category I do want to touch on that one because last year the crown swept those categories uh, you know best drama lead actor and actress supporting actor and actress that one though it doesn't return for its fifth season until this fall so it's not even in contention That said, do you feel like this is a lock for perhaps another Netflix series Squid Game or can Succession, which everyone was really prepared to, you know, like finally have its moment in the sun? Do you think it can actually take the prize for its third season? You know, I think it's tough because, again, going back to not even remembering that some of those limited series (laughs) were part Mm -hmm. of this award season. I think there's going to be a lot of time. Like, that's the thing. It's like Emmy's season is long. We are yeah. we are just starting the marathon. Yep. And so I think that there's plenty of time for something to make a really big splash, like right before voting starts, mm-hmm. because that's how it works in yep. terms of like the eligibility. We haven't we have another, you know, month over yeah. a month for shows to start airing. And as long as they air, I believe it's six episodes yeah. of their season, then they're set. So there's so much time. And so I, I worry for some of these series that had a really big moment way earlier on in the voting window. So I don't know. I, it, it's tough to even it's tough to even say if Squid Game will be on the top of everyone's mind. Of course, right. you know, a, a really fun trailer or really fun things as they start to work on, on season two would yeah. be exciting. Yeah. Well, to your point, last year that happened, I think, with Ted Lasso because their season two came out kind of while voting was happening after nominations. Very you know, smart plan. And, oh, yeah. Great plan. Um, and so, you know, that gave them, uh, you know, more episodes for people to see. Granted, they shouldn't be voting based on those episodes, but it was in, you know, the conversation again. So that helped them. But back to drama. Um, Ashley, how do you feel about Squid Game and Succession and any others you think might slip in? I think those are Definitely going to be two top contenders, mm-hmm. but we also have the final seasons of some Emmy favorites. Like yeah. we just finished Killing Eve. This Is Us is wrapping up. Better Call Saul. So I think it'll be Ozark. very 
Ozark. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see if any of those kind of get their last chance. Yeah. And This Is Us is going out really strong. Yes. They are. Oh, big time. Big time. Some of those actors have had some real like moments in the spotlight so far. And, and series best it's moments too. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Okay, so that takes me to our final question, you guys. Um, is there a show or a performance that you wish more people were talking about? Something that you think should be getting more awards, love, and attention? I'm just going to say that if Freddie Stroma doesn't get awards attention for Peacemaker, then people weren't watching Peacemaker because like, the show is really fun. He... He was a recast because of creative differences. Mm. Uh, and so they had to go back and do a bunch of reshoots. He just like, stri- if if the other person who had that role wasn't doing what he was doing, I totally understand why they wanted Freddie instead, because he is so funny. He is like deadpan when he needs to be deadpan. He does slapstick. Con- like he's just like perfect at everything he does. And I also love that it's so different from most of the stuff that we're familiar with. If you're not familiar with Freddie, one, go watch Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. If, if just for the title sequence alone. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, I discovered him on Unreal. Yeah. Uh, which he was fantastic. He played one of like the bachelor basically mm-hmm. on that. He was in season one of Bridgerton for a few episodes mm-hmm. as the prince who was a potential love interest. He's, just all done all these like things where he's been like this like prim and proper British man. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in this, he's like an American who like just wants to kill everyone. And it's amazing. Ashley, how about you? So I just have to give a shout out to Sandra Oh. I'm mm. such a big fan of hers and she's been nominated three times for Killing Eve. Yeah. And I'd love to see her take home an Emmy for that performance. Well, that's interesting. I was going to say, are you advocating for Killing Eve or for The Chair? Another Ooh. series where she's also yeah. so good. The Chair was, yeah. I think I watched that completely in one day. So she could end up with two nominations this year, lead actress in a comedy and lead actress in a drama. We shall see. Um, I want to give a shout out quickly to what I think is one of the best comedies out there on HBO Max, The Other Two. Uh, I just I I know people watch it. I know people love it. I don't understand why it's not higher. uh, Like, you know, when you look at odds and, you know, what pundits are thinking, um, I think Helena York should not just be a lock to get a nomination, but I think she should win. Like, I just there's so much comedic brilliance happening on season two was even stronger than season one, which I loved. Could not agree more. I love that show so much. I think I've watched it two, maybe three times now. I don't know. It's just, it's worth everyone's time. Speaking of, I hope you guys have more time to stick with us because that takes us to our first guest this Emmy season of The Awardist. Euphoria and The White Lotus were pretty much appointment television during their runs this past year and generated so many memes and gifts and buzz, certainly on social media and among audiences. And I think that's the same in Hollywood too. We're hearing a lot of people talking about these shows. And as Cassie on Euphoria and Olivia on White Lotus, Sydney Sweeney has proven she's not just an it girl, but she is a bit of a force to be reckoned with. My chat with her is coming up after this quick break. The Awardist will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Sydney Sweeney, hello, and thank you so much for joining us on The Awardist. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So excited to talk to you about so many things. But look, before we really get into like the meat of Euphoria, I have to acknowledge for a second everything you have kind of had going on professionally in the last year or so, plus stuff that's coming up. So we saw you in The White Lotus, of course, season two of Euphoria. You have, correct me if I'm wrong, wrapped production on the movie National Anthem. Yes, wrapped I have. that, and that one is co-starring Halsey, Eric Dane, who folks are going to know also from Euphoria. Uh, lots of other great actors in that one. You will soon be filming the limited series, The Players Table. That's happening soon, yeah. Yes. Great. All right, that one. Uh, in addition to starring in that one, also opposite Halsey, you are producing that as part of your Fifty Fifty Films production company. And there's this little Spider-Man spinoff called Madam Web where you will be starring opposite Dakota Johnson. I'm sure you're going to spill all the details on that one. But uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah. everything. Everything. Great. We're, we're going to get all the tea here. But, you know, reading through that list, it's just kind of wild to me. Like you have accomplished so much already at just 24 years old. I mean, if we really want to look back on your resume, it also includes... The Handmaid's Tale and Sharp Objects and Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, it's just so incredible. And I guess I'm just wondering, you know, when you were starting out in this business, I know many years ago, you kind of gave your family a, a five-year plan for like, this is why I want to, you know, be in acting and be part of Hollywood. But what were your hopes and goals and dreams for where your career might be at this point in your life? I have to say, I always set very high expectations for myself, and I've never accomplished everything that I've wanted to accomplish. So what I'm doing now, I think I wish I could have been doing when I was like 16, 17 years old. So I'm constantly trying to push the limits to what is possible for me. But you know, there's also on the flip side of that, though, I, in which I think that's very admirable. I love that you, you know, set those goals so early. But also, are you feeling like an ease and like, you know what, though, things will happen at the time they're supposed to be happening? I am. I'm definitely feeling that more recently because I'm always in a rush to make sure that I'm trying to do everything that I possibly can. But now I'm learning, OK, maybe it's going to step back and what's supposed to happen will happen. The project that I'm supposed to do will fit in in the exact same time that's supposed to happen and work out for me. And I'm just I'm kind of taking more beats than I used to. Mm which we all have to do every now and then, especially yeah. with the past two years. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> gotta take that time for ourselves for sure. I kind of joked about pressing you for details on Madam Web, which don't worry, I, I'm not going to. I know the lips are zipped, but what I will Very. kind of more generically ask is your co-star from Euphoria, Zendaya. She is part of this same kind of Spider-Man universe. Have you gotten mm -hmm. a chance to talk with her about like just being part of this kind of, you know, bigger superhero world and everything that comes with it? Not much because we have to keep our lips sealed for everything. So it's so hard. So you to can't like, even tell her. <laughs> right. I can't even tell her. I can't even tell my parents. So it's it's a hard, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of tiptoe around and yeah. hope that you don't say too much, but then you kind of say enough to excite people because you're so excited yourself. Like I am mm -hmm. bubbling to the brim with joy and excitement, but... 
Now I feel like I said too much. <laughs> no, no, you didn't at all. Excitement is a good thing. We can definitely share excitement. Okay, and the only other thing I'll ask is, you are trained in mixed martial arts. Will any of that come in handy here? Like, will you get to put that into action? Oh, she's saying like completely lips are actually zipped on that <laughs> one, not saying a word. All right. That's fine. I respect it. I respect it. I hope you really get to, though. Um, very excited you. to see you there. Okay, let's you. talk Euphoria. I guess if we go really back to the beginning of season two, or even before the season started, when, you know, before you had started production, how much did Sam Levinson tell you about Cassie's journey up front um, before filming, or were you kind of discovering a lot of that along the way as you went? About halfway through our break between season one and season two, mm -hmm. Sam got on the phone with me and kind of asked me what I thought would happen to Cassie. And I try to throw out a couple ideas that were running through my mind. And then he goes, nope. I go, well, what is it? <laughs> and <laughs> he reads me the first couple lines of when Cassie was in the bathroom with Nate in episode one and Maddie coming and knocking on the door. And my reaction was just pure shock and I couldn't believe that it was actually happening. I don't think audiences could believe it was happening. Oh no, and the best part too is I was at a baseball game and I was just, I like went under the bleachers trying to hear him and I wanted to just scream as loud as possible, but I couldn't tell anybody. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you're as good as you are keeping secrets with Euphoria. I think that's going to serve you well uh, for the, the rest of uh, Madam Web too. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's very exciting. I, I yeah, I can't imagine then where your mind must have just been racing, knowing kind of these opportunities then that he was putting on paper for you to get to live out. No, it's always amazing as an actor being able to dive into those places in your character because it's such a crazy emotional fueled place in all these scenes that she kind of loses it, but also gains control in a different crazy sense. Mm -hmm. And it's fun playing, toying with the line of, is she doing the right thing? Is she not doing the right thing? Is, it, is she just absolutely insane or is she just a broken, broken teenage girl? And that kind of uncertainty, I think, is what's so exciting, even just to watch, too. So I love that you get to play that. I think we even start to see that, well, obviously in the bathroom in season one, but backing up even before that, starting with the gas station and Nate offering Cassie a beer and then the ride to that party, which the truck ride itself is really something else. That kind of just range of like, oh my God, he's so hot and I'm in the truck with him and why does he keep speeding up? Like I'm getting a little bit scared, but then mm -hmm. the beer spills and I, sorry, it's such an amazing line just where you say I'm soaking wet because there's so much to it. There's Take a me lot. through like that. That is such a quick journey of emotions just in that scene alone. Well, when I first read it, I thought that Sam was killing me. I thought that I was going to get too. killed. I did too. I did too. When you take off the seatbelt, I was like, no. And the hanging out the window actually was just me hanging out the window. It was kind of just random and and very just on the in the moment. But I when I when I read it, I thought that Cassie was getting killed off and I was really bummed. But then it turned into this weirdly sensual, dangerous mm. connection between these two characters, and it became what it became. It, it became a lot. It became a lot. 
if I jump ahead then to like even, okay, the school, the, the restroom scene, lots of things I want to talk mm-hmm. to you about here. Um, now I'll refer to as like the Oklahoma scene. Immediately after that episode, and also this is what I love about the show, is that it has become, uh, it's, it's served as what we used to have in the office, water cooler talk. Like this is a show that people want to watch as soon as it's on. You can't miss it because things like this on social media, they're going to spoil it. I saw a lot of people right. posting, um, especially y- the younger demographic of the show posting, like they had no idea what Oklahoma was or like, what are they talking about? So like, how familiar were you with it? And what do you recall of like working with the wardrobe team to get that blue dress look just right? I sadly did not know what Oklahoma was. It's fine. A lot of people don't. I'm sad to admit that, but I'm going to be honest now. But I had I had to look it up. But then at the same time, I felt like Cassie wouldn't know what Oklahoma yep. was. And so I didn't want to dig too much into it so that it was truly, she just had no idea what she got herself into. She's like, wait, do I look like Oklahoma? What's going on? Uh, and then the outfit and the look, it was a lot of mood boarding, a lot of just sharing our thoughts and creative input for what we wanted this look to just iconically be. Oh, it's iconic. I mean, it took on a whole life of its own. I think it is going to be big Halloween costume this year. Oh, that'd be so amazing. <laughs> I mean, to become, a, I mean, there are some times it's not great, but this is an instance where I think <laughs> like paying homage to a character like that as a Halloween costume. Yeah, I think that one, I think that one's going to land. Okay, so the other thing to talk about in this scene is just the panic in Cassie. She finally gets to that point and she just starts to admit everything about being in love with Nate. And then the camera turns to the mirror and Cassie turns back to the mirror. We find out it never happened. It was all just in her head or Rue's head. But here's my question about that. Was that all one take? Because if it is your ability to cry and then shut it off and your eyes look like you weren't crying at all is kind of brilliant and a superpower in itself. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we did. I mean, we did every, every angle and one take and then they spliced it together. But I, as an actor, I love to be able to do it all just in one. Cause I think that's what is just the most mm-hmm. organic and natural for the character. And especially Cassie, because she is such an up and down roller coaster. It's so much easier to keep track if I just do it all at once. Yeah. So it was a moment that, turned into it, did the crazy Cassie spilling her guts, turned back to the mirror and just... And you were fine, cool, calm, collected. I, that's mm-hmm. brilliant. I'm sorry. It, it's so good. That was also the first scene that we filmed coming back to season two. Wait, sorry. That bathroom scene was the very first. That was the very first scene that we did. <gasps> Welcome back, back to set, everyone. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you already, though, you already had to be you had to fully think ahead and track where she was going to be then emotionally at that point so that you could back it up and start having those like peeling away the layers of the onion. Mm -hmm. I had to map out her entire journey because we filmed so out of order. So I had to make sure that I was going into this in the right mindset, energy, everything that Cassie was and leave it at the right moment as well in a character headspace so that I was leading into a scene that we probably filmed four months later. Right. Oh, 
wow, that's rough. But kudos to all of you guys. Um, You're talking about though that trying to do it in one take or you know like it just do it in the moment so it feels organic. I feel like we got also a bit of that in the the sequence when um, Cassie's obsession for Nate is growing and you know the waking up at four in the morning. And I think it's the very first time you pass in the hallway. She's just all smiles and he doesn't acknowledge it all. And then you just kind of turn <laughs> and that devastation, the way, ah, it's so good. Did you guys shoot a lot of, a lot more of those that we didn't see in the episode? No, we, you saw all of the moments that she went through, but that was one of my favorite ones because she was so excited. It was her first time that she, she was going to see him at school and she put so much thought and love into that look Mm -hmm. and then nothing it was devastating her heart broke well she looked amazing you looked amazing but the thing is i think (laughs) no matter what age you are there's something about that particular moment that anybody in the audience can relate to because whether you're in your 60s and maybe have a little crush on someone you do little things that like oh they're gonna i'm gonna see them at whatever i'm gonna look a, a little nicer just in case so maybe that's a little odd to say that euphoria in that way speaks to all ages, but here we are. I think so. I mean, I, I, I feel like everybody that I've talked to relates to that specific moment, especially Mm -hmm. because everybody does want to be somebody's dream girl or dream boy or anything. Mm -hmm. And you just want to be seen. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So then last thing I've got to ask you now, since I know that was your very first day back shooting, it's not all that often on the show that we see all the gals together in just like a scene like that. There might be parties or something, but just all of you together. And I I know my friends and I, we were all like, oh my God, we hope we get more of this. And you guys, like you got some good, you got some good Instagram material out of it. You were posting, uh, you know, uh, pictures from that scene and everything, but it just seems like all of you just really, and I, now that I know it was your first day back, but really relished in that kind of camaraderie. Like, was there a, a different energy and those kinds of instances where it's, if it's, you know, just you and Jacob Alordi versus you plus, you know, four or five others? We love all being together because we each bring so much to our individual character. So when we're getting to play off of such a big group and so much energy and it's just, it's being all together, it just adds, it's like being home with everybody that you feel comfortable with and you want to push each other to do even better work and you feel free and you feel safe. And so when we're together, I think that's when we do some of our best work. Mm. Were there any other scenes like that that you guys shot that maybe just didn't happen to make it into an episode? Or do you feel like you pretty much everything you guys shoot ends up? Everything, yeah, everything that we shoot goes into the show, which is wow. amazing thinking yeah. about that. Yeah, that's that's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving on past Oklahoma. Not long after there is the the big argument with Nate where he is, I mean, he's delivering some pretty harsh truths to Cassie saying like, you're not as sweet and innocent as you like to think you are. Uh, She eventually Mm -hmm. comes back with, I'm crazier than Maddie. uh, And it's something you should be scared of. It's just one of the, I think, best close up moments I've seen on TV in such a long time, which is what's so great about TV and, you know, kind of the power of the close up, obviously a very tense scene, Did you guys do a lot of takes of that particular scene? Not just that moment, but the scene in general? No, that scene was actually uh, pretty much written on spot. Hold on. (laughs) Really? 
<laughs> yes. So that scene was a lot shorter to begin with. And we just felt collectively, Jacob, Sam, and I, that there was just so much more there that could be said. And so we sat down and Sam had other scenes that he hadn't put into the, the episodes yet. And so we kind of like piece puzzled all of it together and, and made the scene and, and did it right on the spot. My mind is blown right now. That's wild. Okay. But it does then make me think of, uh, as I watched the episode another time when Nate, he accidentally calls Cassie Maddie. I was like, oh, I wonder if like that was a mistake. But then they were like, actually, let's work that in and go with it. Was it? <laughs> um, it was, it was written. It was written. Oh, okay. All right. But it still worked really well and was such a, such a great moment. While we're talking about that scene specifically, I want to talk about Jacob uh, and just he's he's really so incredibly talented. And this scene in particular, I think, showcased so much there. What kind of what kind of scene partner is he? He's a very attentive and caring scene partner. He gives so much and he also listens a lot which is amazing because sometimes when you're working with different actors you don't truly feel like they're listening to you mm -hmm. and he does and so we're able to truly live in these moments and continue to live in them because our characters are really communicating to each other mm -hmm. and it's it's a beautiful chemistry that I think we have between Cassie and Nate. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's just easy to connect with. He too. is. He is. Yeah. He yeah. is. You uh you brought up earlier the bathtub scene. I like do you have a different relationship with bathtubs now than <laughs> before shooting that? Um no, yes, I don't know. <laughs> I think Cassie has a different relationship with bathtubs now. <laughs> That's sure. true. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I just hope you don't. Anytime you want to like relax and you know get in a big soaker tub, you're not thinking about <laughs> that intense moment that that scene, which is so good. Also, just the way it was shot, which I, actually that kind of leads me to when you talk about just the way this show is shot, especially as we get uh, into the later episodes and Lexi's play. There's so Amazing. much complexity there, not just in the script, but in the staging of the play and how it intertwines them with real scenes. My mind was blown. It's some of the, I think, best camera work I've seen. Our minds were blown reading the script because we were trying to follow it. And I remember the entire time Sam was just like, trust me, just trust me. I was like, I trust And you, you. have to, right? Like what, what other choice do you have in that moment? Yeah. What do you recall of the first time watching like the edited version of those episodes and how it all comes to a climax? My mind was completely blown because when you're sitting there filming it, it's one thing, but then seeing all the pieces put together, it's, it's honestly, I felt like I was watching just something that was going to be cinematic history. Like it was, it was incredible. Yeah, it certainly watching it had that um, that feeling of TV magic, you know, like yeah. that stuff that you're like, I wish I could see how they did it, but I just sometimes maybe you don't want to know how they did it because it's just so no, cool. It's, it's one of those moments. It's one of those moments where you're like, even if I wasn't in this show, I'd be a really big fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. I know you write books or keep diaries of, of your your various characters. 
What is a, is there a tidbit that you are willing to share from those that uh, perhaps is maybe like a touchstone for you in regards to those parts of Cassie's story that we haven't necessarily seen play out on screen, but emotionally, mentally is, is kind of a touchstone for you to go back to? Um, I have letters from past classmates Mm. that I believe wrote to Cassie that helped develop who she is. So whether it's love letter, hate letters, letters from her dad, uh, they're all in the journal, all folded away that have either hurt her or influenced her or made her feel special Mm. in certain ways. Mm. How, how, why did you start doing those? Was that something that either from like a, a, an acting teacher, another actor, you, you know, advised or, you know, kind of gave you that little bit of advice to say, hey, this is a cool thing to do. Why did you start writing those? I had a mentor when I was younger who told me that I should separate myself from my characters as much as possible for it to be healthy for me because I tended to love the characters that went to darker places. Mm-hmm. And I could easily assess it. <laughs> so I, I was just looking for different ways to create a different individual from myself. And I've always enjoyed writing. I've always used to start writing journals or make up different characters in my mind. And so I started just building these characters. And it started out smaller. And then I started developing a way to attack it because it's such a big, mm. big process and job to do because it's from the day they're born to the first page you meet them on the script and it's their entire life that details you wouldn't even read in a script that I just Mm -hmm. kind of make up because every memory moment creates a person to be someone completely different from another person and they can talk differently they can walk differently they use their hands to to gesture when they speak or they don't or they don't look in the eyes like every single person is different because of situations and instances that have happened to them in their lives. And so I build all of this and I just write it down and I seal it up in a book and I create that character and that's how I develop them. Mm, That's really impressive and very smart of you. So yeah. Um, How do you think you have grown as as an actress, as an artist, a storyteller, thanks to this show and this character? Oh my gosh, there's an endless amount of ways I think I have definitely grown and become more confident in myself. And I have looked for very talented individuals to collab with. And I think that Sam and Marcel have influenced me to want to achieve even more than just acting. And I want to try directing or cinematography, just something like they, they're so inspiring to me that I, I just, I hope that I can somehow accomplish 5% of what they're able to create. And that's, that's just the beginning. Yeah. I think you're on your way. I think you're, I, I think you're headed there. Opening up a production company and green lighting stories is kind of the first way of doing that. So very smart. I mentioned White Lotus at the top of the interview here, which another just fantastic show people could not get enough of. I gotta wonder though, how would Cassie and Olivia, your character from White Lotus, get along? I don't think that they would be friends. I don't think they'd be friends. One, I think Mm -hmm. that Maddie and Olivia would butt heads so much that Maddie would never allow Cassie to even be in the same room as her. 
Uh-huh. And I don't I don't think that they they would really be friends. But I think Maddie and Olivia would butt heads because they're kind of a bit alike. That's yes. my, yeah, they've got that. Yeah. Okay. I, I was having this conversation with the coworker. Yeah. I, I don't think Cassie and Olivia would be friends. I think Olivia's no. way too smart for Cassie. She is. She'd be so tired of all of her emotional <laughs> up and down roller coaster love. She'd she'd be so over it. She would not be able to deal with it. No, not at all. Uh, and, though now I kind of want to see that. Um, that's all. <laughs> that's for like a multiverse kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now I really want to see that. Dang it. Okay, um, Sydney, I cannot thank you enough for your time. This has been great, and congrats thank on you. everything. Your work and Euphoria is just next level A plus and we're thrilled to have you here on the awardist. Thank you so much. Thank you for yeah. having me. Of course, of course. I think we will be seeing you throughout award season. So I will see you somewhere <laughs> out in Hollywood. I hope so. I hope so. Thank yeah. you. Oh my gosh. I seriously could talk to her all day. She's so pleasant. Of course, she's just beautiful and and attentive and really wants to, you know, talk about this character that I think she really relished in playing. But you guys, that Oklahoma scene, I mean, from the wardrobe to the hair to the reactions, Maddie's reaction in particular, I, I mean, it took on a whole life of its own. I, I just love that Oklahoma's having a moment and it's not it, it's not personally a great show. I, I actually really enjoyed the re-envisioning that they did on Broadway recently. Um, so I would suggest that because they kind of stripped everything down. Yep. But the as as we saw, like it's it's very old school mm-hmm. musical theater, which is not as much as my jam is more modern. But I, I love that Oklahoma got to have a moment. Yep. I love that it, it, just none of choosing that. Like, I, I just want like a whole lengthy oral history on like, were there other musicals that yeah. they considered? Mm-hmm. Why this one? Mm-hmm. Um, love that she didn't know it. Love that the character. Yeah. <laughs> so then the character didn't know it. Mm-hmm. It all worked out. Introducing yeah. Gen Z to Oklahoma. I mean, it was really a moment and and love that she said, you know, they had to like mood board and figure out what that right wardrobe was going to be. And it was just it was spot on perfect. One of the most memorable scenes of television, I think, certainly this year, if not of the past couple of years. I mean, I, I will say, you know, seeing a fantastic production on Broadway with the best stars of Oklahoma is still could be a hit or a miss. So <laughs> any sort of regional or or amateur or school production of it, I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They, they seem to encapsulate that. Indeed, yeah. Well, they really knocked it out of the park, I think, on this second season of Euphoria. From obviously what Rue went through with going to rehab, Lexi's play, that was one of the most stunning episodes going back and forth between, you know, their real life and what was being portrayed in the play. It was just brilliant writing, too. Um, so I think we will be revisiting this series and talking about it a little bit more um, later in, in Emmy season, as I suspect they're going to be getting uh, several nominations. But for now, uh, Patrick Gomez, Ashley Boucher, I have to thank both of you for joining me on uh, this first episode of our Emmy season podcast. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Well, folks, that is it for this episode of The Awardist. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate the podcast, and of course, leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation going with us, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall, and we will see you right back here next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.